Hi, you're listening to Delusional Optimism with Dr. B, where we explore human resiliency and learn how people thrive even after adversity. We break down the complexities of the human brain so concepts are simple and relatable. It's fun and empowering to understand how your earliest experiences influence your relationships today. What makes you tick? Dr. B is a speaker, trainer, and consultant who understands emotions and human development from the inside out. Let's dive into today's episode. Here's Dr. B. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about how brain chemistry works with brain structure. If you're interested in furthering this conversation, please email me at contact at drbconnections.com. Or if you want to know more about me, go to my website at www.drbconnections.com. Now let's get started. The brain is wired for survival. So that is, or, you know, the brain is in existence for survival to keep us alive during all kinds of different event. And so what we're going to talk about today, unless you have any particular questions that you're struggling with at home, is how the brain chemistry works with the brain structure. So how it all works together to keep us happy, to manage our depths of sadness and all the other myriad of emotions that we have. So sometimes what we can do is if we understand the structure of the brain and we understand how the neurochemistry works a little bit, then what we can do is we can be conscious of that and then and then make it work together sometimes, which which is better than not letting it work together at, you know, all the time. So I wanted to start this morning off. I was walking the dogs, talking to a friend on the phone and having like a little COVID comment, COVID-19 comedy moment with myself because I needed to really shift where my brain had been going because I'd been sort of on this downward spiral, which I had shared earlier this week. And, and it just wasn't, you know, I was just not feeling motivated and I was feeling sad and I don't know, I just was a lot of things, but resiliency teaches us like one of the things we know about resiliency is yes purpose it pulls for our resiliency but another thing that really pulls for resiliency is comedy and so when you can tap into your funny side or your funnier side then you're also like building up that resilience and so that's such a good thing so we're walking and i was talking about how (laughs) I've watched a million videos on how to make your own, you know, mask, like DIY mask. And it looks so easy online. And I hope everybody has made a mask and it was a really easy process. But for me, it was terrible. Like I got my friend to donate um, fabric. I had already had like hair bands that belonged to Charlie. And I thought, oh, man, I don't have a sewing machine, but I don't need one. I'm going to make masks for everybody, you know, in my family and my friends. So I'm telling my friend this story, you know, like I think it's going to be. And I had offered her masks. I had refused my friend who made me masks for my family because I'm like, no, I don't need to. I watched a video. I'm going to make masks. And then I go to make these masks and it's a disaster. Like, I I fold it exactly the way they do on the video. I put the little headband things on the the sides, like the bandana. I fold it over and tuck it all in. And then I put it on my ears and my ears go, 
and it pops off. And I'm thinking, okay, this is terrible. Like, how lame can you be if you can't make the DIY mask all by yourself? So I did it several times. I even made a little one for Charlie thinking, oh, you know, that'll be better. Oh, no, it it, it turns out it was a, a fail, a mask fail, too. Okay, so DIY mask, it must be like some joke on YouTube because it looks so easy. Everyone does it. And yet everyone I know who's tried to do it themselves, it has not worked. So share with us your fabulous masks make mask making. However, it gave us a really good laugh, which is a neurochemical response that elevates our mood and feelings and is good for us. So that's that's one of those things. Like that's a part of resiliency. It's a part of the brain. But it gets even worse than that. And kind of the COVID-19 even funnier than that was. My daughter and I were talking, but I'm like, okay, I'm going out for the first time with my new mask that my friend made me. And so I put the mask on and I'm ready to go. And then I take my tea, because if you know me, that I'm a tea junkie. And so I go to swig my tea with the mask on. Okay, I'm not prepared for living with a mask. Okay, I pull my mask down, I get in. And I'm off to go do this, you know, errand that I have to run for my mom. And, and then I'm in a store, but I'm wearing my glasses. And okay, so then what happens? My the my breath fogs up my glasses so I can't see. So it's just been, you know, this whole thing, it all seems so easy, like it's going to be no big deal. And then it is like comedy relief of, you know, you can't even survive. You can't, <laughs> Cynthia, I tried putting on my lipstick with a mask on. It's crazy. You know, I went to like kiss Lisa goodbye because I was leaving to go do this errand and then nope, got a mask on. So anyway, so we have to pull to some degree for our, you know, the funny sides of life because they do really, you know, transform our neurochemistry within the context and the, the structure of our brain to help us get through what we're going through. In, in terms of brain development, I just needed to share those funny stories because it really was, you know, I kind of laughed a lot and I was by myself with the dogs talking to my friend on the phone. So anybody have funny mask stories or funny uh, COVID-19 stories, please share them with me because I almost started thinking, oh my gosh, I could do COVID-19 comedy relief every, every day, or maybe we'll just do COVID-19 comedy on Fridays. Um, see, look, you can already feel like my energy's gone up because some in my brain, something happened when I told that funny story about myself, you know, having <laughs> mask failure. So, um, and then on top of it, wait, I just have to add one more thing. On top of it, then there's all this news on Facebook, you know, like, wear a mask, you're gonna die if you don't wear a mask. And then they put out like, if you wear this mask, it only covers like, it doesn't even keep the freaking virus out. So you're gonna die anyway. So there's like all this information you spend this time like accumulating mask making and um, and then the, the crazy mask that you pick doesn't even isn't going to work or save you anyway or anybody else. And but if you put that that shop rag into it, then it will save you. However, then you can't breathe because it's like suffocates you 
Or the other thing that happens is they're not available because they're all sold out on Amazon and everywhere that you could possibly buy them. Okay, I digress. I'm back. <laughs> so, so the brain is made up. Like structurally, we have this brain, and I have Saber right here. Okay, bud, go get it. Um, structurally, we have the cortex, and then we have the limbic system that lives deeper in the brain. And so the way those two parts work together is um, the cortex or the front and the frontal cortex, but mainly the cortex. So that's that's a little bit an older part of the brain. Um, looks for patterns, and it looks for patterns from the past and the present, and tries to make connections about the world to tell the frontal cortex, like oh this is this this makes sense, or oh this doesn't make sense because of patterns and experiences we've had from the back the past to the present. And so it's it's always negotiating these experiences from, from now and then. So for an example, it would be like um, uh, walking up and down some stairs. Like your brain start, did that for the first time and it was probably a little bit of a, a, you know, it was a new experience. But if you walk up and down stairs on a regular basis, your brain has a pattern for that. And so your your frontal cortex doesn't need to think as consciously about that experience because you just do it kind of automatically. And that's because your brain has a, pre, a an experience, but then it also has a past experience that it's integrated. All right, so the limbic system, which is the other structure, is the emotional center of the brain. So remember, this is where all of our feelings are and all of our reactions. And this is the part of the brain that releases neurochemicals, like I talked about yesterday, that then bring us towards something or pull us away from something. So we need this um, interaction to, in order for our brain to operate in service of survival. So it tells us, oh, you need to release this kind of neurochemical in order to protect yourself from blah, blah, blah. So, so that's the first part is just on the most simple, basic structural situation we're talking about. The, the cortex is part of the brain that is negotiating connections past and present. So we understand what's going on. And then it tell, like reports it to our limbic system to give us an, give us an idea of how we want to produce neurochemicals in response to that. And what we're responding to is we want to be rewarded for that. We want to be rewarded. We want to survive rather than um, to make a mistake that could be the consequence of, you know, not surviving. So let's talk about some of the main neurochemicals that are particularly related to happiness and contentment and feeling good. Because we all could certainly use a dose of some of those feel-good neurochemicals. And one of them is dopamine. So actually, dopamine is, it's reward-seeking. So it's looking for joy at all times. So how do we get a dopamine kick? Well, it's interesting because it, it flows right into resiliency. Dopamine is kicked on when we accomplish a task. So remember how we've been talking about feeling purposeful and doing things that give us purpose, which builds our and pulls for our resiliency? 
Well, it partly pulls for our resiliency in the neurochemical side. It's because it also gives us a a dose of dopamine, which makes us feel good. And it makes us feel rewarded for doing something purposeful. So funny thing, you know, I had this great idea. I'm going to be purposeful and make masks. And then, um, and then it'll be, you know, I'll be productive and I'll get a kick of dopamine because I feel good about being purposeful. Well, it kind of backfired, but fortunately it had some humor in, in it. So accomplishing tasks, tasks, and watch this with your littles, like even your teenagers, you know, talk to them about how it feels when they accomplish something especially something that's hard and something that they don't want to do. Because if you accomplish something that you don't want to do and that's hard, you even get like a bonus kick of dopamine that says, you know what, good job, you did it. And it feels good. That's a feel good feeling. But it comes from a neurochemical response in the brain. So, you know, reptiles don't have that experience. They don't, they don't have like, oh my gosh, I climbed on the rock and soaked in the sun and I have this, you know, blast of happiness, even, even when you don't even like it. So another funny story is yesterday, um, Lisa bought, Lisa got an elliptical cause you know, the gym is out and, and running is a disaster for her back. And so she, she ordered, she got an elliptical. Okay. The damn thing weighs 300 pounds. And because of COVID-19, the dudes who could totally carry the 300-pound thing into the bedroom that it's going in, of course, couldn't do that. So they bring this friggin' wooden crate of monsterness into our garage, and that's it. Okay, so it's me, it's my son Eli and Lisa, and now, and it's in 100 parts. Not really, it was in like probably 10 parts, but... We have to get this thing in through the laundry room into this bedroom, and it was horrible. It was just a terrible, terrible experience carrying that thing. However, now it's in there, and we set it up, and we all did it, and again. So see, this is something that goes on continuously. It wasn't something I wanted to do. In fact, I was dreading it. We'd put it off for days, but then when we did it and we accomplished it, even though it, like, we all had to like lay on the floor for a second to get our breath. It it felt good. And that dopamine kicked in and said, you did it. It's a reward for, for following through on something that's hard. So remembering that and talking to kids about that is, is a great thing. You know, we learn, we know this about brains. So let's talk about brains and the way they work. All right. So another feeling and another brain chemical that gets talked about but maybe people don't understand it completely, is oxytocin. And it's related to Oxycontin. And it's why Oxycontin is so addictive is because oxytocin is the bonding neurochemical. It's the, it's the chemical that's released when you hold a brand new baby and you're just like, oh my gosh, I'm just goo goo gaga in love with this baby. Thule, do you hear me? Um, it's that just flood of oh my goodness, I, I just am, am in love with this baby. Now, babies do other things that pull for other neurochemicals when we can't soothe them and it makes us worry and panic. But I'm just talking about the bonding that we get from that connection. And it's also linked to love. 
So it's our social bonding alliance. It's when we have really good friends. And I've talked about this, like, you know, if there's people in your house that you can hug and give a, you know, a good squeeze to, that's because you're releasing some oxytocin. You're releasing your oxytocin, you're releasing their oxytocin, which sends them the message and you the message of we're bonded, we're together. And that feels good when we're in a crisis of the unknown, which is what we are. We're like buried in the unknown. We don't know. So let's do the things that we do know that we can that can make us feel better, which is connecting, releasing some oxytocin by, by hugging and bonding and connecting to people that we love. And even our friends, like even our social alliances. When I was on that phone call yesterday, you know, I was kind of commiserating, but at the same time, I was connecting with a friend that gives me that sense of bonding, you know, and that's that's oxytocin working in the system. These are big words and big um, big concepts, but you know they're really manageable to understand. You can understand them, and you can find ways to share this information with kids and teenagers that help them to really understand how their regulating system in their body works in order to support them through difficult times. And what better time to learn to support yourself and others through a difficult time with brain chemistry than now when we're in a pandemic and we don't have answers that we all really want to have and we're not doing things that we really kind of want to be doing. So the other um, the other chemical, brain chemical, neurochemical that I want to talk about this morning is called endorphins. Now, probably most people know what an endorphin is. It's that it's what gets released in order to push you through the pain. If you're an athlete and you're running a marathon and you get to that that point, okay, I talk about it like I am an athlete and do this, but I'm not. Um, <laughs> but you get to this certain point where you hit the wall and then all of a sudden your body kicks in the endorphins, which are really the, um, they help the body ignore pain. So this happens in all sorts of situations. It happens in athletes because they physically like hit this point where they're going to die or they're going to ignore the pain of running a marathon or whatever it is they're doing. But it also can happen in an injury or a trauma. So if you think, well, I've been in two really bad car accidents and I think um, like the shock that comes in, but also the endorphins that kick in that don't let you feel the pain in the moment, but then you recognize the pain later, but it's protecting you from that traumatic experience and pain because your body in order to survive the trauma needs to have something that allows you to manage manage literally physical pain. Like it's one of the best systems I think in our body because sure, things hurt and things happen, but they're manageable pain. Then there are times in the world and life, which is horrible, that things actually physically happen to your body that are beyond, that are beyond our real management of that level of pain unless something something jumps in and says, nope, I'm going to take you away from that. I'm going to take your mind away from in a chemical, neurochemical sense. And that's what an endorphin is.
It's what gives me relief when I think. When I when I go to a place where I see somebody injured in a way that I think, oh my gosh, I can't imagine somebody going through that level of pain. Then I remind myself, oh yeah, but endorphins exist and they're they're actually working in that person's body. Now the trauma, the terrible part is that they don't work when you just like kick your toe on the, you know, corner of the bed frame or whatever, which really, really hurts because I did it the other day. But no endorphins came on board for that because it wasn't it wasn't bad enough. You know, endorphins come on board when you have a, you know, compound fracture in your leg and you're waiting for the ambulance to show up from a car accident. That's when endorphins show up to protect you from the level of trauma that will kick you into shock and you can die from. So amazing, like look how phenomenal and like, it's like our body is our own medicine cabinet within itself that we can tap into if we understand it. So that's how endorphins work. All right, the last one, and this is probably, this is this is serotonin. I'm gonna talk the least about this because it's it's less, um, it's less necessary in terms, I mean, not, not, less, not less necessary. However, um, in this situation, it's a little bit different. So respect from others. So it's your, it's your security within your social system and your social like importance within your group. So whether that's your group at school, whether that's your group at work, whether that's your group in your family, um, it's really about serotonin, think S for serotonin, S for social, the people that you, you engage with on a social level. Because when people, it's almost like your pride. When people are humiliated, it's, it, that is when we need a dose of serotonin to remind us, oh yeah, no, you are, you are a socially solid person. So serotonin is all about being related to how you feel about the group and the people that you are socially connected to. So if you were to hang out with a group of people, okay, let's just talk about mean girls for one. So mean girls actually pull for the non-production of serotonin because they're mean and then they make people who are socially trying to connect not be able to, which then doesn't allow them to produce serotonin that makes them feel socially competent. So they feel excluded, which leads to, what do we think? Depression and, you know, that feeling bad about themselves. Well, if you think about depression and you think about depression medications, SSRI, serotonin reuptake inhibitors, well, serotonin is the one involved in depression. So we really want to also think about our kids and their relationships in their social worlds and how that impacts them feeling connected to their social groups or feeling, you know, always on the verge. That's an that's builds up anxiety and depression as well. We're living in a period of time where we're isolated, we're not as socially connected. I'm going to talk about it briefly. We are, suicide rates are on the rise. 
Um, they're already high because of some of these things. So it's just very important to understand how some of these chemicals in our brain can flip us from being happy, as simple as that is, to being really sad and depressed and down. The beauty is that they shift and they wax and they wane and they come and they go. And we have some control over that. In fact, we probably have a lot more control over it and can teach our brain to have more control over it than we think. But it requires practicing it and also being consciously aware of it at the time. Like being consciously aware of carrying that damn elliptical into the house and then going, oh my gosh, like that was such a great kick of dopamine, ha ha ha. Um, or, you know, endorphins, it, you know, God forbid you're in a situation where the endorphins need to kick in. You're probably not. That's, that's much more of an unconscious response or an awareness because if you're in a situation where your endorphins kick in, you might be able to reflect on it later on and how it protected you, but you're not going to necessarily be able to kick into the consciousness of that at the time. The other is the oxytocin, you know, like that's something that you can really be conscious of and aware of how to get that, you know, bonded, connected, loving feeling from people in your environment at on a regular basis to keep people feeling good and and connected and okay during this super complicated time. And comic relief. I'm just going to, you know, I'm all, I'm a huge fan of funny. So, um so we just have to keep the, you know, the funny going. I'd love to see it if somebody was able to make one of those crazy masks out of the DIY um video. But I do have to say, I, anybody who's missing their babies, you know, who's away from people who they typically get to spend time with, it is really hard to be away from them. I'm feeling that myself with um, my daughter, my granddaughter, my son, my other granddaughter, and, you know, they're, they're Matt and Marissa. So, um, you know, that, that's really, that is hard. So, all right, moving right along, um, any questions, any comments? Because I'm going to jump into the part where we're going to talk about the kid feelings of the day. So today, I'm going to go through all the feelings that we've already talked about. But now I'm just, now I'm tacking on the little section to the adult section because I feel like this part is almost more important for adults to talk to their own littles about than it is for me to talk to their littles about. So, but I'm going to talk to the littles anyway so you can repeat or share it with them later. So we're doing the ABCs of feelings and the ABCs of feelings starts, um, we're going to talk, we're going to define one feeling for every letter of the alphabet. We started with A and A is for anxious. B is for boredom. C is for calm. D was for disappoint. E was for empathize. F was for fear. I is for isolation, J is today, and it is for jittery. Because jittery isn't a feeling that we really talk about all that often, but jittery is a feeling that people do get. And it especially shows up when you're, um, when you don't know what to do. And 
you don't have a lot of information or the information that you have doesn't tell you what you want to know. And so really jittery is almost another version of anxiety. It's almost like a younger version of anxiety because anxiety can be deep and, you know, like really intense where jittery is just that, you know, it's when you shake your knee and you're just, you just can't settle down because your, your body is revving. It's like revving because of the unknown. And so what do we do? We have to get a handle on jittery. And the way we get a handle on jittery is we go to one of our resilient protective factors. We enlist resiliency and say, okay, what do I do? What helps for resiliency? Oh yeah, connecting with people helps with resiliency. Oh yeah, doing something purposeful helps with resiliency. Oh yeah, um, thinking about my feelings, talking about my feelings helps with resiliency. So we go to these places that we can pull our strengths from and then we put them in the place of our feeling that's not a feeling that's helpful. And so we all are going to have helpful, unhelpful feelings show up all the time. But then there's also helpful feelings that show up. And we want to grab onto our helpful feelings and we want to be able to learn how to call them in to help us when we're having feelings that are not helpful or making us feel insecure or whatever. So that is the sense of jittery. And um, I hope you will talk to your teens about some of this neurochemical interaction and how it works because it's, it's helpful for kids to know that their brain can be responsive to their mind and their thinking. So, uh, all right, gang, I love you. It's so great to see all your faces. And, um, and please, like I said, share out so we can uh, really get everybody supported during this crazy time.
Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. I appreciate the opportunity to connect with you. If you're interested in booking a training, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach me at my website, Dr. B Connections. There's a big button that says, book a training with Dr. B. It's that easy. If this show has been beneficial for you, please share it with your friends and family. Spreading the word about the show helps us grow our audience and helps continue to change the world together. Again, thanks so much for listening to Delusional Optimism. Now, go leave a life friend.